What is discipleship? We start with loving God, start with loving our neighbors, start with loving ourselves. We stay then with an expanding sense of what is God and what is neighbor until we are loving all of creation. This is how I believe we are called to be disciples. If we observe Jesus in the gospel stories, we see that being a follower of Jesus means living a life that balances quiet and centering prayer and community-expanding engagement. If we watch Jesus, we see a practice of radical inclusion and care for people, including sinners and criminals and foreigners and people with contagious diseases, all the marginalized peoples, and ourselves. Sometimes, though, it is easier to see what discipleship looks like when we watch the lives of the saints. Today, at the beginning of the season of creation, St. Francis shows us a life of just such balance. St. Francis used to retreat to stone caves and isolated islands for months of centering, grounding, personal prayer time. And then he would go out into the world and teach and care for all his neighbors. St. Francis taught the rich and the poor. He preached to people and to birds and creatures too small to be named. One of the turning points for St. Francis's faith when he expanded his sense of neighbor, faced his fear of lepers, and began to touch and care for the sick. All of which sounds like a lot of work, right? A cross to bear. But St. Francis found living this life of discipline and discipleship a joy. There are stories of him breaking into spontaneous song and dance because he could not contain his delight. But our reading today isn't about the joy of discipleship. Today, Jesus addresses one of the ways that gets in the way of saint-like bliss. What gets between us and the delights of discipleship? In today's gospel, we read, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and estimate the cost to see whether you have enough to complete it? Because that's what this passage is a little bit about. Where are the places where disciples fail because we do not understand what we're getting into? Okay, note. Sometimes we disciples earnestly try, we fail, we repent, we try again. That is the pattern of a life of discipleship. There is no shame here. This is normal. But there is another, more dangerous kind of failure in discipleship. This is a, a failure when we listen to the, our love of community or family, our love of friends 
more than we listen to God. We hear that as a Jesus follower, we are called to love. But then, instead of doing the hard work of expanding love to include people and all creation, instead, dangerously, we define love by the patterns of our family or the habits of our childhood friend. We lean into love, but only love the people in our community that our community tells us to love. This is the kind of love where a friend says to another friend, if you love me, you will agree with me. I have a friend who cannot talk to her childhood schoolmates because they believe Mexican immigrants to the U.S. are evil and should be persecuted and sent home. My friend loves her friends. Her friends hate her when she disagrees with them. My friends, my friends, her friends, sorry, hate her when she speaks out for immigration rights. She feels strongly that it is her Christian duty to speak up for immigrants. She is right. It is her Christian duty to speak up. Her heart aches for the loss and hate from those friends. It is a great burden for her. She carries a cross. Another example of dangerous love is the kind of love when a parent says to a child, if you love me, you will deny yourself to fit in with my expectations of you. The church, thinking particularly about issues of sexuality, the church is tearing itself apart on issues of who gets to define sexual love. When I watch Jesus' actions in Scripture, Jesus chooses to include. Jesus broadens love as long as love is authentic and respectful. Christian love means doing the work of listening and accepting people and creation as worthy of dignity. In that same theme of dangerous failure is the kind of love where a family, for example, tells a woman that love looks like blind obedience. Love is used as a requirement to stay in abusive relationships. I have met women whose church communities told them that for love, they had to stay with abuse. These are dangerous, destructive Terrible loves. And Christian disciples trip here. Christians fail here. Some of our worst moments in history are times when we allow people we love to turn us away from God. We use love to justify violence against people and creation. If you doubt me, Listen to the stories at a dinner table. Thinking about our love of creation, I have sat at kitchen tables and heard stories of people who dynamited creeks, like threw dynamite into the creeks and exploded the creek before examining the waterway for wildlife. 
because then it could be truthfully reported that there was no life in that creek. At this table, this was told as a funny story. Everyone was expected to laugh and agree with the clever tactics. Love of friend and family was the glue that kept this destructive practice alive. The kitchen table was a stage to perform terrible, destructive acts of love. I loved my friends at that table. And when I heard this story, my heart ached at the wrongness of the destruction, but I said nothing. At that time, I would not hurt my friends by questioning these awful actions. It's a little bit like the king in our reading today. As a young person, I did not have adequate resources. I retreated. Now I am older. Now I call myself a disciple. I am called to love the Lord our God with all my heart and soul and strength and love my neighbor as myself. Those fish are my neighbor, and I will call out the injustice of their destruction. And then again, a word of caution, being I would wish to be respectful in how I call out injustice as a piece of my duty to God. Now, when I hear that kind of talk at a dinner table, I start by not laughing when my friends or my family make jokes out of bad behavior. I start by naming my grief, for example, over the loss of those fish. That way I'm able to look back at my behavior and know that I was not further cruel or judgmental of people. But I know at the tables I grew up at, I would not be popular. Some people might even hate me. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that truly loving God and neighbor would mean that sometimes you have to go against your friends or family or community. Jesus knew that truly choosing love, peace, and justice means speaking up. Sometimes then your family might hate your choices. Some families might hate you. Jesus is saying sometimes you might have to choose between God and your family And this is terrible, and this is true. St. Francis lived this. He walked away from his father and his father's business. His father took him to court. I think his dad probably hated Francis. And I guess this made Francis so sad. In this family, Francis could not answer his call to serve God as God called him to serve, and be in that family. Francis had to choose between the traditions of his wealthy family and God. When Francis chose God, his human father hated and rejected him. I pray for each and every one of us that our friends and family would, with us, choose kindness and justice. I pray for each and every one of us that our communities look for truth and work towards reconciliation 
and a love that expands to include all creation, that's my prayer. And some among us have friends and families that do unjust things. Please do not be silent in the face of injustice. Lovingly, respectfully name the disciples' sorrow or anger over injustice. Today's reading is a hard passage. Jesus wants us to know what we're getting into with our discipleship, that this life is not all easy bliss. Choosing real love can mean difficult choices. When we turn to the love of all creation, we may harm some relationships that hurt the world. Today, Jesus tells us that cost. But that said, please remember also the dancing St. Francis who paid the cost of discipleship, but found great, great joy in the love of God.